0: Hello, 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 and welcome to season two what? of the New York Mystery Machine.
1: Timney Hall, but for ghosts.
0: That was just as loud as season one was.
1: You're welcome.
0: Um, we are so <laughs> friggin' excited to be back with all new episodes for our, our second season of the show. Oh my God, Christina, can you believe? A whole, a
1: whole season later. A whole year a whole has year.
0: passed. It's been literally it's a, calendar year. a full calendar year That's since... Crazy since we began our journey together and uh i just i'm i'm so delighted i'm so happy um it's 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 so good <laughs> to be here i'm just so excited it's and a good day
1: in the neighborhood we got
0: some new fun artwork yes very excited about that if if you, you've clearly you've seen it cuz you listen to the show it's on the <laughs> it's on the Whenever you listen to it now, you see the logo has changed. <laughs> I'm, I'm a believer that new season, new logo.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I also really appreciated when you sent me the new logo, <laughs> and you said, "Does this say abduction to you?" And I said, "Yeah, very gay abduction, but it's like, like the best kind of abduction." <laughs> it's
0: like we're being, we're being sent to like the queerest of queer yes. <laughs> alien ships. Um, yeah, we're really excited about the new artwork. I mean, not yeah, new new show new artwork, setting. but still the same wonderful little logo made by um, yeah by Nikamia, so I will, as always, thank him every season for that great little little uh, New York Mystery Machine logo of us and Tedward okay. in the Mystery Machine. Um, but we are so, 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 so excited to be back with you. Um, we are so jazzed to get into season two. We, we pumped season two up, and honestly, the other day I literally texted mm-hmm. Christine. I was like, I gotta say something. I'm really excited about season two. <laughs> like, it's a loaded season. We have a lot of really cool things happening. Um, and so it's just really great. And so if you want to help season two continue to take off, um, the best way to do that for us is to head on over to patreon.com slash NY Machine and join our patron community. It's such a great community. It's a lovely community. And this season we're doing some really cool things. Um, we're working on perhaps a live <laughs> event of some sort that is in the works. So... If you're part of our patient community, you're going to find out about that first, and you're right. going to find out all about that information sooner than later. And if you're not part of our patient community, you'll have to you'll find out eventually. Eventually, but then you won't be the first one to right. know, and um, and you won't get like a cool like thing when you're there, right? So whether that and be, you want that cool and you thing. want the cool thing as vague as that sounds. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so join and for as little as three dollars, you come a patron for a as five dollars. You get a, a free episode every month. We give a patron exclusive. And so those are those are coming out as well. And so please, please, please join. Join. We have so many wonderful patrons who have uh, really helped put this this together and um, so we'd like to thank our wonderful patron community of Jordan, our, our OG patron, and Sam and Christian and Christina and Carla and Anne-Marie, uh, the wonderful little group who's uh, helping us each month uh, with a little bit of uh, extra, extra money to, uh, to put this all together and to make this happen. To make it happen. Uh, if you want to support us in a way that doesn't cost you any money, just head on over to iTunes, Spotify, or Audible and leave us a five-star review. Yep. Tell us what you love about the show. Tell yep. us what you want to hear more about the show. Yep. Let us know some of your thoughts or uh, theories about the show. You we guys love know. A theory. You guys know. If you give us theories. We ain't lying. We proved it. Season one finale. We proved that we do the effing work. <laughs> we we look at your theories. We solved shit. We solved some shit in season one's finale. So if you haven't listened to that episode, which is episode forty nine, go ahead and go ahead and do that.
1: That means this is episode fifty. I
0: was about to say this is episode fifty. <gasps> halfway to a hundred. Wow. We've, we've gone halfway to a hundred with this little thing.
1: Wow. That's crazy
0: So I I said to you guys Season finale I I, I, was, I was like Big things are coming And I said I was, I wanted to do something Really big for the season one Season two mm-hmm. Premiere And um, I I think Did you deliver? I think I delivered I mean I spent A couple of weeks Researching this To be honest with you And putting this together Can I do this? Oh yeah you can do that Oh okay I going to set up By that Christine's just taking the microphone And is putting it yeah, you know, so on, on my lap.
1: On my lap. This is so comfortable. I'm never going back to the other room.
0: Yeah, we're still in the we're still in the other room. We're in
1: the summer or <laughs> summer s-
0: recording. <laughs> we're in the summer recording studio, which is a lot cooler. And then when the winter we'll go back to the other one because 'cause it'll be a lot warmer in that yeah. studio. Um so today we're chatting about maybe probably the most hyped and most covered paranormal case in New York history. maybe one of the biggest and most hyped in the country's history. Honestly, it's a huge one. Um, Today, Christina, we're covering the Amityville Horror. Oh. I know. Now, the Amityville Horror gains... Lots of popularity in uh, a couple of different waves. The first wave was on September 13th, 1977, when Jay Anson published the Amityville Horror, which was being sold as a true story based on the reporter experiences of George Lutz and Kathleen Lutz. At their home at 112 Ocean Avenue in December of 1975, okay, uh, and this came after events transpired there about a year earlier, dealing with the DeFeo family. And we're gonna get to all of that. Okay, I was gonna, gonna, gonna ask, to who's the DeFeo those, family? Go gonna, on, we're gonna get there.
1: Believe it or not, listener, I have managed to avoid all spoilers about Amityville because uh, oh my gosh. I'm frightened to death of what this bodes.
0: So here we are. So then, in 1979, a film was made based on the book. And other films were produced under that title as well. But I have to say, my introduction to Amityville was the 2005 remake with Ryan Reynolds, Mm. which is a 90-minute piece of trash that (laughs) scored 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. But don't worry... The original film doesn't score too much better. It comes God. at 30% around. Oh, okay. So I remember watching the original film after I'd seen the the remake. And in 2009, I made my first pilgrimage to Amityville to see Amityville House. Why would you do that? Uh, I know what you're thinking, Adam, what happened? Was it scary? What, what went down? Did you see a ghost? Did something get into your brain? No, nothing happened. You didn't it bring went, anything home? No, it was okay. the most uneventful trip I've ever taken in my life. It was just three, four of us in a car, you is pass- this the Sweet Hollow Crew? It's the Sweet Hollow Crew. <laughs> um, this is our fir- our first journey was to Amityville, and um, we got to Amityville and literally, um, it barely looks like it did when it was mm-hmm. famed. And um, there was other people like kind of outside the house also doing what we we're doing, and there was it was very uneventful. Okay. Um. So, I imagine everyone listening today either knows. A shit ton about Amityville or has a little bit of of a foundation of Amityville or like Christina has nothing is walking in blind Um, the thing with this case is that's kind of two different cases in one Mm -hmm. one is a tale of murder and the other is full of fucking ghosts okay so this week we're going to talk through the Grizzly Murders. Ooh. And then next week, we're going to get to the ghosts that have inspired way too many movies. <laughs> okay. So I know what you're thinking a two-parter, Adam, but yes, this is a two-parter. But know that this episode, as you see, is called the Amityville Murders. Mm-hmm. And next week is the Amityville Horror. Because it is two different stories that you need to listen to in order to get a sense of it. And if you listen to one of them, you'd get a full, you know, adventure from it. But still, it is two stories. It was literally impossible. I said to Christina, I said, "Christina, I don't want to start the season with a two-parter, but I have to because there's no gosh darn way that I can do this whole thing in one episode. It was been impossible."
1: Yeah. Would have been a very long episode.
0: I was like seven pages in. I was like, there's no way that this (laughs) script is even done yet. Right. Nor, I haven't haven't even gotten to like any trials. Good Lord. So, yes. So next week, we will talk all about ghosts. We will talk about the weird shit that went down at at, at this house. We will talk about the Lutz family next week. But this this week, we're not talking about the Lutzes. Okay. We're talking about the DeFeos. All right. So we're going to begin chapter one, November 13th. 1974, at around 6.30 p.m., a 23-year-old named Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr., Butch was his nickname, Okay. entered Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, and declared, quote, You gotta help me. I think my mother and father are shot. Oh, He was panicked, sweating, unsettled. Butch's best friend, Robert Bobby Kel- uh, Kelsky, along with Joey Yeswit, John Altieri, Al Saxton, and William Scormaglia, Scormaglia race back.
1: Scormaglia.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. Every that, every now that I said to myself, gosh, nothing sounds more like really like offensive than Christina doing an Italian accent, but she's also Italian, so I guess it's not offensive. You know, there you go. Um,
1: Scormaglia. Scormaglia, hey. Pizza. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, are you making a pizza?
0: Um, this ragtag group rushes back to the DeFeo home at 112 Ocean Avenue, driving Butch's 1970 Buick Electra. The DeFeo family had occupied 112 Ocean Avenue since purchasing it in 1965. The house was not too far from the bar, so it didn't take too long to get back. When the group got to the house, they found the front door unlocked. Shaggy, the family dog, began barking as he entered, and they found him tied up to the inside of the kitchen's back door. Mm Mm-hmm. Bobby Kelski led the group up the stairs to the master bedroom on the left, and there they saw it. It was Butch's parents, Ronald DeFeo Sr., who was 43, and Louise DeFeo, also 43, shot dead. A bullet hole and dried blood were visible on Ronald's back. Mm. Louise's body was buried underneath a blanket, mm. but that's not all. They continued throughout the house and found more horror. It wasn't just Butch's parents, All six members of the family were dead in their beds. Oh, my God. This included the DeFeo siblings, Don, who was 18, Allison, who was 13, Mark, who was 12, and John Matthew, who was only nine. (sighs) Joe Yeswit would make the call to the Suffolk County Police Department. Here's a transcript of that call. So, Christina, if you don't mind Mm. uh, reading this this transcript with me.
1: With pleasure. Here we go. Suffolk County Police, may I help? I don't know why we're Southern (laughs) Office.
0: They're from Long Island, <laughs>
1: uh, not Southern at
0: all.
1: Suffolk County, please. May I help you? Huh? Uh, this is Suffolk County Police. May I help you?
0: We have a shooting here, uh, DeFeo.
1: Sir, what is your name?
0: Joey Yeswit.
1: Can you spell that?
0: Yeah, uh, Y E S W I T. Y
1: E S W? Huh? Y E S? Yeah,
0: Y E S W I T.
1: W I T. Your phone number?
0: I don't even know if it's here. There, I don't have the number here.
1: Okay, where are you calling from?
0: It's in Amityville. Uh, call up the Amniville police and it's right off uh, Ocean uh, Avenue in Amniville.
1: Austin? Ocean
0: Avenue. What the?
1: Ocean Avenue. Off of where?
0: It's right off Merrick Road, Ocean Avenue.
1: Merrick Road. What's uh, what's the problem, sir? It's a shooting. There's a shooting. Anybody hurt? Huh? Anybody hurt?
0: Yeah, it's uh, a- everybody's dead.
1: What do you mean everybody's dead?
0: I-, I don't know what happened. Kid come running in the bar. He says everyone in the family was killed and we came down here.
1: Hold on a second, sir.
0: The police officer now takes over the phone call. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. What's your name? My name is Joe Yeswit. George Edwards? Jo- Joe Yeswit. How do you spell it? Well, I just, how many times do I have to tell you? Y E S W I T. Where are you at? I'm on Ocean Avenue. What number? I don't have a number here. There's no number on the phone. What number on the house? I don't even know that. Where are you at? Ocean Avenue and what? In Amityville. Call the Amityville police and have someone come down here. They know the family. Amityville? Yeah, Amityville. Okay, now tell me what's wrong. I don't know. Guy come running the bar. Guy come running the bar and said his mother and father are shot. We ran down to his house and everybody, uh, Everything in the house is shot i don't know how long you know so uh uh
1: what's the uh what's what's the address of the house
0: uh hold on let me go look up the number all right all right hold on H- hello hello yes 112 ocean avenue amityville one what 112 ocean avenue amityville
1: is that amityville or north amityville
0: amityville right on south America road is it right in the village limits no it's uh you know where the high school is yeah it's in the village limits yeah
1: yeah that's the village limits right yeah uh, okay.
0: What's your phone number? I don't even have one. There's no number on the phone. All right. Where are you calling from? Public phone? No, I'm calling right from the house because I don't see a number on the phone. You're
1: at the house itself? Yeah. How many bodies are there? Uh,
0: I think, I I, I don't know. I, I think they said four. There's four? Yeah. All
1: right. You stay right. All right. You stay right at the house and I'll call the Amityville PD and they'll come down. Okay. God. So, so
0: first and foremost, that was... That was just the call to, like... What the hell? Get people down there. It was, like...
1: That's awful.
0: <laughs> like, the most stressful call. This, like, guy who was not related to anybody and just trying to, like, get some one to come down. And just, like,
1: having them re- repeat the information, like, just to spell his name, like, 20 times.
0: Yeah, it's, like, so much.
1: God.
0: I, mean, I also don't understand, like, I don't think he, like, straight up... I don't, know, I don't know who he called, if he'd called 911. I was gonna say, what is this... It seemed like he, like, called, like, just, like the Suffolk Police Department, and that- Still would think that they would be able to figure it out. Yeah, it was weird. I just, I don't know. I think that you just call a woman, something happened like that, to become right. easy. I don't know. In any case, wow! what a shitty, shitty phone call yeah. to have to like work your way through. Um, it's
1: almost like who's on first at a certain point yeah, in it. And like, it shouldn't be because it's awful and grisly and horrible, but oh god.
0: So around 10 minutes passed after the call, then, Officer Kenneth Griguski of the Amityville Village Police Department arrives. When he arrives at the scene, the group were all outside trying to comfort Butch, who is like literally yeah. sobbing. Griguski asks him to come back into the house, and Butch refuses. Yeah, he screams, I'm not going back in that house. My mother and father are dead. After continued pleas, Butch finally agrees to go back in the house. Griguski asks him to have a seat at the kitchen table while he goes to inspect the scene. After Gaguski's initial inspection, he calls the police headquarters to report the murders. Detectives and police officials fly to the house. Upon investigation, it was determined that all the victims had been shot with 35-millimeter caliber-level action Marlin three three six c rifles at around 3 o'clock in the morning of that day. His parents had both been shot twice, and his siblings had been killed with a single gunshot. This was... um,
1: what time did he come into the bar that night?
0: He comes to the bar at around 6. He comes to the bar at around 6:30 p.m. p.m. So this interesting. is interesting. This is Yeah, this is hours have passed since this. And and you notice that because there's dried blood. Right. So like these so people I didn't expect have, 12 hours yeah, these, and chain. These people have been dead for for quite some time. Huh. Um, it was determined by the gunshot wounds that you know the time of death had to be roughly around yeah. three three o'clock in the morning. Um, while it seemed that the majority of the family was killed in their sleep, the physical evidence suggested that Louis Louis Defoe, his mother, and his sister Allison were both awake at the time of their deaths. Hmm. The thought is that the father uh, was shot first, which awoke the mother, and something similar may have happened with Allison. There's other accounts that say a little different to this. Later mm-hmm. on, we'll find the, in the case. Um but at first it almost seems that the noise probably awakes them and then they're shot after soon after now there's a very strange thing about the body placements of the dead in this in this situation according to Suffolk County police the victims were all found lying face down in their beds hmm. the children that is the placement was odd and seemed to be manipulated as if placed there specifically rather than dying naturally that way right as the police detectives roll through the home, reporters and neighbors also cart- start coming, storming out, and just kind of make their way outside yeah. and do what you do. When there's murders happening, you you, you try to interview everyone, You yeah. get all the information. Um, in addition, his his friends are still out there, as well as the, the the guys from the bar are still out there, also being questioned as well. Suffolk County Detective Gaspar Randazzo questioned Butch at the kitchen table. Butch told Randazzo where he had been that day and how he found the bodies. Butch then made an odd statement telling Randazzo that he believed the killings had been carried out by a mob hitman named Louis Fellini. What? The detectives felt that if this was indeed true, Butch would be in grave danger. So before doing any sort of other, um, you know, just checking in on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the mob boss, The they thought the best course of action was either way, bring him to the police station for his own protection while he yeah. started it out. In addition, it was a twofer because they needed to bring him down to the police station anyway for further questioning, right? Like because I got some bodies. suspicions. After signing an official statement, Butch was driven by the homicide detectives George Harrison, not of the Beatles, <laughs> and Joseph Napolitano to the 4th Precinct headquarters, where he would be further interviewed. Butch continued to insist that Fellini was connected with the murders, He explained that Fellini had lived with the DeFeo family briefly and knew of a certain area in the basement Butch and his father had stored a collection of cash and gems. But then Butch started talking a bit too much. Mm. He began to mention petty robberies that he and his friends had taken part of. Mm -hmm. That of course, put odd energy into the air, mm-hmm. like a weird thing. It's like, we're talking about the murder of your family. Right. Are you that comfortable to start talking, confessing about like petty crimes right. that are still crimes nonetheless? Right. Um. Uh, so after a very full first night, the detective decided to end the questioning for the evening. They allowed Butch to sleep at the station while they returned to the house to continue their investigation. What are your thoughts, Christina? It's so fascinating. Talking to someone who's who knows nothing about this isn't that case.
1: shocking? Um, I think he did it. Sure. I think I think Butch did it. I think Butch I think Butch killed them all, which I think just makes me sound like a paranoid crazy person. But I think it's weird that it was like over where I don't know where he was that whole time. That whole time he's what twenty years old, something like that. Twenty-three years old. Twenty-three years old. I don't know. I'm suspicious. I find it suspicious. The talking about gems and things. You might be so upset that you're just desperate to. Give whatever information you could possibly to get the the person who killed your entire family, but I, mm, I'm suspicious.
0: My favorite part about this episode so far mm. is that there's so many people listening who know how the story turns out, and and it's so fascinating that you're the person who doesn't know. I don't know. I like really people don't right know. now are listening, and being like, "Oh my gosh, she doesn't know what's going I'm on." I'm not
1: joking, everyone. I have avoided it. With great fastidiousness
0: well what happens is uh they go back to the house they also um while they're away there's also more questioning and we find a bit a background on the family um it's revealed that the family wasn't such a really warm family at all Uh. um butch's father ronald was very abusive to Mm. his family to his his wife certainly and to his kids Mm. um and had a uh a lot of anger issues mm-hmm. and those anger issues were not um, totally spared on the children yeah. as Butch was also quite an angry person as well. While at the house, the police discovered boxes of Marlin thirty-five caliber ammunition in Butch's room. Well, yep. Which again, matched a murder weapon. Detectives would speak to Butch's friends and that evening, um, detectives would speak to Butch's friends that evening and um, they would tell them that, that Butch was also a gun fanatic. That um, he loved his guns, he loved shooting guns, and um, with that, the the detectives started to really start really putting together uh, a real argument about who we they put. think did this. Um, and though there aren't any motives just yet, a lot of the information is now pointing to Butch being the prime suspect in all of this. Detectives um, spend the night at the house, um, continuing to interview. Um, really figuring stuff out, and the next morning, Gazoloff, Harrison, and Napolitano wake up Butch. Mm-hmm. As Butch awoke, Harrison begins to read the Miranda rights to him, mm-hmm. and Butch is like, "No, no, no, you don't gotta do that." Already sensing something's off, he's like, he quickly responds, "Don't do that. Get Fellini. He's the guy you want, not me." And they continued and asked him to get up for more questioning. Mm -hmm. Detective Dennis Rafferty and Lieutenant Robert Dunn will relieve Gazoloff and Napolitano, who hadn't slept all night. Literally, these guys are like working through the night, putting this together. Yeah. So then the duo begins to press further into uh, Butch. And all of a sudden, inaccuracies start to pile up left and right. At first, Butch says that he discovers the bodies, but... That he discovered the bodies, initially, you know, he had said, "I I came home and they're there." Right. And that starts to change a little bit. Hmm. Butch claims that he had been awakened by Louis Fellini at gunpoint, (sighs) and made to accompany him, as Fellini did, which each family member of the family. So in his eyes, he had said that Louis Fellini woke him up. Right. And he took him around, and he was the last one that, at this point, Louis Fellini had. Woken all of the family members up at gunpoint and then murdered them, like, Mm -hmm. walked them and killed them each. He went further to describe how he had discarded the evidence in a sewer in Brooklyn that Fellini was, like, throwing out evidence in Brooklyn.
1: Okay.
0: What Butch didn't know was that Fellini was already questioned Hmm. and had an airtight alibi proving he was out of town during the time of the killings. Yeah. So they kinda of just let him continue Keep going <laughs> and continue to like yeah. keep saying things the next morning because they had checked in that morning with Fellini and an airtight alibi, lots of Yeah, if he's just gonna keep talking, let him keep talking. And they let him keep talking and lying and lying and lying. Um
1: So his 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 conversation at this point is, Hey, Fellini came in and he woke me up and made me watch while he killed everyone?
0: No, I think his 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 argument is that um, Fellini came in, killed woke, woke up, woke up everyone individually, uh-huh. walked them someplace, and then shot them.
1: And then put them back in their bed.
0: Yes. Okay. And then he was the last one mm-hmm. of the whole family to get this treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he doesn't, what he doesn't reveal is why he is it killed. Right. Like why?
1: Right. How did he escape?
0: Yeah, that's not revealed at all.
1: I mean, and, the, and how does he know that Fellini was discarding evidence? He had to come with Fellini to discard evidence like, in
0: Brooklyn? Uh, yeah, apparently he came with Fellini to discard evidence. It's just so oh, wild boy. and so like just not No, true. yeah, no, very clearly. So after a good amount of back and forth, lies upon lies, Rafferty finally asks, quote, did it really happen that way? Then Butch says simply, no. Ooh. It all started so fast. Once I started, I couldn't stop. It went so fast. He admitted that he had taken a bath, Redressed, detailed where he had to scar the crucial evidence, such as the bloodstained clothes, the Marlin rifle and the cartridges before going to work as usual. God, and I think digesting that information may be a good opportunity for uh. us to to take a break. OK, so we're going to do that. Christine's going to get her shit together and we're going to be right back. If you ever look at our logo, you may notice a cute, furry, black-and-white creature hanging out the window. That's Ted. When he's not hanging out inside the New York Mystery Machine, Ted is enjoying treats from BarkBox.
1: BarkBox is the dog-obsessed company that's devoted to one goal, making dogs happy. It's a monthly subscription, totally customized box of themed toys and treats for your furry friends. BarkBox provides the best products, services, and content for pups and their people. Every box brings your dog more than $40 worth of toys and treats, your first box ships immediately.
0: Plus, BarkBox offers a 100% happy guarantee. If your pup isn't happy with their BarkBox, they'll work to make it right.
1: So are you ready to spoil your pup with a BarkBox of their very own? If so, head over to www.barkbox.com slash NYMysteryMachine. If you use our exclusive link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox, valued at $35, when you sign up for multi-length plans.
0: Okay, okay, Tedward. I'll say it again for them. Head to www.barkbox.com NY Mystery Machine and get your pup some treats today. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you.
1: That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing.
0: By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more.
1: Head to www.patreon.com slash NYMysteryMachine to find out more and become a patron.
0: That's www.patreon.com slash NYMysteryMachine, and join our ever-growing community today.
1: So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries.
0: But how would you like to solve your very own mystery?
1: Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery.
0: Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer.
1: So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NYMYSTERYMACHINE for 20% off the first box.
0: That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NY Machine.
1: Sign up now and begin the hunt. Pow, pow, pow.
0: Okay, we are back, and
1: uh, that was horrific.
0: And it's revealed that um, Ronda Feo Junior. Also known as Butch, Butch. Um, murdered his entire family.
1: God, did he just snap? Like, is that where this is going? Like from the abuse? I,
0: I will, I will give a bit of a spoiler that we never really find out the hmm. true, true motive of this. Okay, and we're gonna get kind of get deeper into possibilities. Sure, um, but. In fact, we find out that he he kills his parents, shot them both twice, and then he kills all of his oh, all of his siblings, siblings, placing them on their on their faces. Which is also just really weird. Which like there's right something.
1: On. Yeah, I want to know what that's about. It's also like, weird. You couldn't look at them. Like, what's the psychology of that? Yeah, one?
0: it's also weird because um, he just wasn't prepared to have to answer questions. Right is what it really seems like right. when you go and look at all the all the transcripts from the court cases and all the transcripts from the interrogation it's like Mm -hmm. it just seems like he had one story and one piece of that story and that was kind of it but even that story changed like the first thing we heard was that he found these bodies like all of a sudden he walked in and the bodies were there and then literally it changes to I was like brought around my house Mm -hmm. at gunpoint Um, and it just seems like he never really thought that he would ever have to answer questions about this right but literally all everyone wants is for him to answer questions about this.
1: I mean, it's kind of what happens, what, kind of what happens. when when your family is killed. Um, I'm afraid to cat and it's getting a little bit dark in here. I'm going to put the
0: lights on. That's fair. <laughs> well, thanks for hitting that light.
1: Yep. Yep. Got.
0: Yep. That was really important to, to your journey.
1: Yep. We're getting the uh, the holy water for the next one.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. This is not a holy water case yet.
1: No, no, no. This is just creepy. So what's two, hiding it, in my closet. Part two is
0: being the only going on. uh, I
1: hate it. I hate it so
0: much. So DeFeo would have to go on trial because right. he is literally the the guy who does it.
1: Right. And he's confessed at this point basically.
0: Yep, he yeah. confesses to it. He says, I did it. It happened so fast, but I did it. Um so the Defeo trial begins October 14th, 1975. He and his defense lawyer, William Weber, mounted an affirmative defense of insanity. Mm -hmm. They're like, we're going to plead insanity. This is what you got to do. Right. Plead insanity and you'll be fine. And truth be told, he was a little off. Ron does. So it wasn't so far fetched. But then Weber does something really, really strange when you're doing an insanity defense. What did he do? He allows Bush to take the stand. Oh, no. And so Bush takes a stand and while under oath he claims that he killed his family in self-defense he claims he heard heard voices plotting against him oh, and that he had to kill his family before they killed him now granted that helps the insanity
1: yep i'm actually not, not maybe seeing the logic now however it's not helping the fact that he definitely did it well yeah well, i guess that's not in dispute
0: is it but also saying that with self-defense is not the same as saying you're insane Right. but saying that I did it out of self-defense is almost him saying, well, no, I'm actually claiming that it was self-defense. It wasn't right. insane. Well, I'm not insane. Right. I did it because I had to do it because I was, I was going to die. I was going to die. Right. But also, while he's on the stand, Butch, like, really goes crazy uh, and talks about his relationship with guns uh-huh. and he just thinks that like he is like the the, the all time supreme being when he has a gun in his hand. Oh great. Mm-hmm. And his friends knew this, right? They said that he loves his guns. Yeah. He's a big gun guy. And so like yeah, like it's kind of easy for a jury to to to, to right. think you're insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um because, you know, you heard voices. Well
1: I was gonna say that's that's a big one, right? Like r- regardless of whether or not he says that he was doing it in self-defense. He did it in self-defense because he heard
0: voices. Yeah, and it gets, and it, gets and it gets it gets weirder. It gets weirder, right? Oh, okay. So while he's on the stand, Weber shows Butch a photo of his mother at, from the crime scene, mm. like his dead mother. And Butch says, "That's not my mom." What? He says, "That's not my mom." I know what that is, but that's not my mom. The what? lady he straight up killed. He's like, "That's not my mom." So then they show him a picture of his dad, also at the dead at the, the, the scene, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that's my dad. I killed him." I that's killed, not my mom? That's not my mom, but that's my dad. I killed him. I had to. You guys know. I had to kill him. He's going to kill me if I didn't kill him because the voices right. said that. But, but that's that not, lady. that She's my mom. I don't know what that is.
1: And I didn't kill her? Or the, no, I'm not I, commenting because okay.
0: it's not my mom. I don't even know.
1: God. Why? How? What? I don't even
0: know. So the insanity plea was then supported by the psychiatrist for the defense, Daniel Schwartz. The psychiatrist for the prosecution, Dr. Harold Zolan, maintained that although DeFeo was a user of heroin and LSD, he had an antisocial personality disorder and was aware of his actions at the time of the crime. This is the
1: prosecution. The prosecution. Okay.
0: So yeah, the defense, the the um is like, yep, insane. The, the defense is like, yes, you are straight up cray cray. Um the psychiatrist for the prosecution was like yeah. I mean, he's a user of heroin and LSD, so the, those things yeah. can make you do things. But it also appears that he has just a bit of an antisocial personality disorder. Uh-huh. and But he's very aware of what he did and how right. he did it and when he didn't. And pl- a plea of insanity is kind of making it seem that you had no... No control, control over, over your... Control over that. Yeah. He had clear control over it. He, yeah. He talked about his relationship with guns. He talked about the voices in his head telling him that he had to kill his parents. Right. And he freely chose to kill his family. Oof. In addition, the police investigation had concluded that the rifle had not been fitted with a sound suppressor. So... And they found no evidence of sedatives having been administered. However, during the trial, Butch claimed that he drugged his family, which explains why most of them stayed right. asleep, even though earlier in the case it was determined that two of them may have been awake during sure
1: it. and interestingly the right that was right that was the wife and the okay okay right just sorry remembering no it's fine
0: so uh this is from the november 18 1974 edition of the new york times so okay. this is uh following the the confession okay um in an interview with Dr. Howard C. Edelman, uh, the Suffolk Deputy Chief Medical Examiner, he had said, quote, there was a long delay between the time they ate dinner and the time that they died. Hmm. There's a good possibility they were drugged. I don't know how they could have kept quiet at the time of the shootings. If there was something, it was in what they ate. He continued, the bodies had no needle puncture wounds.
1: Oh, interesting. So this okay. would
0: be brought up again during the trial just to confirm yeah. that uh, what he said is true. They... they the doctor believed that you know there was no way they could not have right. slept through it, so they had to be sedated somehow. But looking at their bodies, there was no puncture wounds for right. any like needle sedation. So if it did happen, it was through their meal that night.
1: Interesting, interesting. And I wonder if that means that like digestion having occurred also means that like a toxicology report isn't quite pulling up whatever the sedative was in the same yeah, way. Yeah, that... yeah,
0: yeah. I'm not sure what that what that looks like. Interesting. As for motive, um, aside from voices, mm-hmm. like real motive, um, there were also reports that Butch allegedly shot his family because he would have been the beneficiary of a 200000 insurance policy on his dad. Okay. Um, he asked police what he had to do in order to collect his father's life insurance during their interrogation. <laughs> so it seemed that that could have been something. Yeah. But it was never mentioned at all during the trial. Um, right. And I, it, it could have been straight up abandoned in terms of taking this course of action yeah um but it doesn't check in why he would kill his entire family um, as opposed to just killing his dad his
1: dad right since that's where also like if you're thinking about him snapping from abuse why the kids why why everybody
0: yeah so On November 21st, 1975, DeFeo was found guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. Gosh,
1: okay. On
0: December 4th, 1975, Judge Thomas Stark sentenced DeFeo to six sentences of 25 years to life. Ooh, okay. After his sentencing, Butch would give many different accounts of what happened in the house in Amityville. In a 1986 interview for Newsday, he claimed his sister Dawn killed their father, and then their distraught mother killed all the siblings with a thirty eight caliber Smith & Wesson revolver. And then... A gun that was never found anywhere.
1: How did she die? It's coming. Okay, okay. Oh, don't you
0: worry about it. Okay, he thought this one through. But good question. (laughs) That was followed by him, Butch, killing his mother. Ah, uh uh-huh. He stated that he took the blame because he was afraid to say anything negative about his mother to her father and her father's uncle out of fear that they would kill him. For you see, his father's uncle was Peter DeFeo, a member of the Genovese crime family Mm -mm. in the same interview DeFeo also asserted that he was married at the time of the murders to a woman named geraldine gates with whom he was living in new jersey with and that his mother phoned him to ask him to return to amityville to break up a fight between don and their father subsequently he drove to amityville with geraldine's brother richard romadeau who was with him at the time of the murders and can verify his story completely
1: uh gonna guess that he can't
0: yeah, this Geraldine stuff is crazy. It gets even <laughs> crazier. So then, in 1990, Butch files a 440 motion. What's that? So a 440 motion is a proceeding to have the conviction vacated. Okay. Which is balls of shit. To yeah. Be like <laughs> you know what? I shouldn't be convicted at all. So to, so basically, it's it's a get out of jail free card. Okay. It's the, the it's basically saying that this isn't gonna you know you're vacating this right. Um, immediately you'll be released. Okay. Um it doesn't I don't believe it is a pardon. Right. But it just ends the sentence. Okay. He said he said that Don and an unbeknown assailant who fled the house before he could get a look at him killed their parents, and Don subsequently killed their siblings. Another fucking story about what happened. Like how any how he thought that changing the story over and over and over Is gonna help us? I think he was just trying to find like what's the best story to say. Yeah. That didn't work. I guess I'll try this one. Nope. Didn't work. Try this right. one. Right. And so then who killed Don? Did he kill Don that time? He said the only person he killed was Don. Okay. And it was by accident as they struggled over the rifle. It, okay. Oh, yes. So oh, yes. Oh, yes. We both <laughs> reach, for, <laughs> the reach oh, no. for the gun. Reach for the gun. That was from Chicago. Another bullshit story about how <laughs> people reach for a gun and one died. In this motion, he once again asserted that he was married to Geraldine and that her brother was with him at the time of the murders. An affidavit from Richard Romado was submitted to the court and he could not be located to testify in person. Mm. Evidence was submitted to the court by the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office suggesting that Richard Romodeau did not exist <sighs> and that Geraldine Gates was living upstate New York was living in upstate New York, married to someone else at the time of the murders.
1: Interesting. It makes me wonder did he even really know Geraldine or is he just somehow creepily finding her out?
0: Yeah, I mean, Geraldine Gates did not testify at the hearing because yeah. the authorities had already confronted her about the false claims in 1992. Okay. Uh, and secured a statement under oath where she admitted that Roma Dode was fictitious, did not exist, she had no brother, and that she did not actually marry DeFeo until 1989 in anticipation of filing for a 440 motion. So it was one of those like m- m- jail marriages. Okay. The whole Geraldine thing led me to a weird rabbit hole. Okay. With Geraldine and mafia shit and mob connections. Yeah. And ultimately, doesn't have anything to do with the murder. Okay. But like I tell you, the amount of reading I did on Geraldine and her family and her right. life, only to realize that nothing fucking matters. So the story god got me angry. Oh, got me angry. <laughs> I was like, ooh, a new angle. I don't know this Geraldine person. And I looked and looked and like, oh, it has Because it means to nothing. It means nothing to this story.
1: Wow. OK. Weird. Very weird.
0: So Judge Stark denies the motion. No yeah. shit. He's not an idiot. He writes, quote, oh, this is a great quote. I find the testimony of the defendant overall to be false and fabricated. Mm -hmm. His testimony that during the fall of 1974, he was married and lived with his wife and child at Long Branch, New Jersey is incredible and not worthy of belief. He has produced no corroborating evidence in this regard. Another reason for my disbelief of the defendant's testimony is demonstrated by consideration of several portions of the trial testimony. He signed a lengthy written statement describing in detail his activities. In this statement, he said that he lived with his family at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, and that he worked for his father, that he usually went to and from work with his father, and that that he was ill and stayed home from work on November 12, 1974, that he was on probation for having stolen an outboard engine and had an, and had an appointment to see his probation officer in Amityville on that very afternoon. The defendant's girlfriend, Mindy Weiss, testified that she began dating the defendant in June 1974 and was with him frequently that summer and fall. Stark further declared, quote, defendant's testimony that he did not shoot and kill the members of his family is likewise incredible and not worthy of belief yep
1: I co-sign that
0: I mean it's just it's just crazy talk it really is and bringing Geraldine into this when you were dating someone else I just and no it was just crazy
1: it's it's really a fascinating like 11th hour mo- like not even 11th hour it's, no, it's, it's past years later it's ca- yeah they we're in it's, the 90s now
0: right I, mm, 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 mm. very very weird the reasons for the murder continue to change with every interview he had and in the end DeFeo was held at the Sullivan Correctional Facility in the town of Fallsburg New York and until his death all of his appeals and requests to the parole board had been denied mm-hmm. he finally died at age 69 on March 12th 2021
1: oh god very recent
0: at Albany Medical Center the official cause of death has not been released to the public
1: well that's weird I know. That's kind of weird in of itself. I know. What What's that about? I
0: don't know. I have a feeling. I have a feeling we're, we 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 brush upon it next week. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is the first chapter of this crazy tale. Ooh. Butch DeFeo slaughters his family, in straight up cold blood.
1: God. Okay. So here's a confession. I don't know anything except that I don't like it already about uh, what's coming next, which is th- the ghost and stuff. I know ghosts yeah, and stuff. So this, so a- and what I'm getting at is I have a theory, oh yeah. which is that the voices in his head were the ghosts and stuff.
0: Sure. I mean, here's the thing. If you know Amneville, you have any sense of Amneville, some of you are going to know where this is going. If you read the book, seen the movie, some of you are gonna where this going to know And if you're like Christina. <laughs> but I will say this chapter is just one of gruesome murder... Uh-huh. And and really terrible deeds. Yeah. And this next chapter takes a crazy paranormal turn. Okay. It is literally I've never been able to summarize two facets of what we do on the Mystery Machine in one episode, <laughs> and like in once in one topic. Yeah. But this does it right. We talk about this gruesome murder, and next week we're gonna get into some crazy ass ghosts and shit. Excellent. At this crazy house in though. By
1: excellent, I mean I dread it.
0: Well, no, it's gonna get roller real, real coaster. We're gonna have the Holy Water on everything.
1: Excellent, good. It's gonna be a whole thank to do. you. Appreciate that.
0: So next week, you best come Ooh. back because next week the ghosts are in town. Things are getting weird and a new family will move into the Theo house. Oh, no, no, no. And they'll get this house at a bargain but get more than what they bargained for.
1: Oh! <laughs> Nicely done. That was good. <laughs> I didn't even write that down. That was off the Well done. Well done. That was beautiful.
0: Um, if you have any thoughts about why uh, Butch did what he did you know where to find us where yeah. did they find us you head on over to our instagram at ny mystery machine you head on over to our twitter at ny mysteries you head on over to our facebook at ny mystery machine you can let us know or the best course of action as you said earlier you head on over to the itunes the spotify mm-hmm, the audible mm-hmm. you let us know in those comments because we read them we do and sometimes we pick one out of the hat and we we let, read them on air yeah. and we make you listen to them and we give you a sticker and stuff it's really nice it's really nice we're so happy to be back for season two, you guys. Um, it's only going to get crazier from here. Next week, we're going to get so deep into the ghost hole and and oozing walls mm-hmm. and doors that keep opening. I hate it. Lots of scary stuff. So be sure you come back next week for the Omniville Horror. Uh, My arms are, like, stretched out in a very grandiose yeah, way.
1: and I'm just going to make sad, upset noises.
0: Well... Mm. Welcome to season two, you guys. <laughs> I've been out of I've been Christina Marinelli. And we will see you next week on the New York Mystery Machine. Time but for ghosts. Oh, and that common.